so much. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're looking in the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. This week on the lawnmower, I had to stop, go study. I had to um, seek the Lord's face. I told him, I said, God, when I get done, I'll go study that. And God said, I want you to go right now, right now. And when the Lord speaks, and when he says right now, you better get on it. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, I'll ask you to stand to your feet. Verse number 1. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Parentheses. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Close parentheses. From these two verses this morning, I believe God wants us to preach a message entitled, Right Now. Father, would you help us today? Lord, we are needing your help right now. Father, our nation's in bad shape. Lord, there are people hurting and struggling Father, there are families that have sickness and have all kinds of difficulties. Lord, we need you right now. Father, I pray you'd help us to be obedient, help us to be faithful to your, your calling, to your voice, and help us to do so now, Lord. We love you. Would you help us now to preach? For this I pray in Jesus' name and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Now, the scripture mentions in verse number two, it mentions the day of salvation. Now, in the Bible, there's the day of atonement, the day of assembly, the day of battle, the day of adversity, the day of death, the day of birth, the day of his coming, the day of judgment. But thank God for the day of salvation. When I look at the first verse, number one this morning, I'm thinking about the response of God's passion. Paul says, uh, in verse number one, he says, we uh, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Why? Because now is the day of salvation. Now, Paul is our writer, led of the Holy Ghost, and he is quoting Isaiah chapter 49 and verse eight. And Isaiah wrote 700 years before Christ and Isaiah was prophesying about a day of salvation. May I say, Paul is telling us that day is right now. Jesus has come. Jesus died on the cross. That's why we have a cross behind us. He bore our sins, our griefs, our shame, our, all of our sins, and he shed his blood to pay our sin debt that we might be saved. He, Jesus, through his sacrifice, satisfied the very wrath of Almighty God. And after he died on that cross, my Bible tells me he was buried in a borrowed tomb. Borrowed because he wouldn't need it long, 
Because on the first day of the week, after three days, he got up victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And may I say that right now today, in this very house of worship, he'll save anyone that comes to him right now. When I see where he says, that I beseech you that you receive not the grace of God in vain, I'm thinking about how he delivered us in salvation. Salvation is by the grace of God. And the grace of God is giving us what it is that we do not deserve. Grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Amen. The blood of Jesus Christ shed on that cross purchased for us eternal life, gift of salvation. We're on our way to heaven. Can I get an amen? The moment that Jesus paid that price and you called upon his name, you are saved forever. But the Bible says that you receive not the grace of God in vain. That's a Greek word. It's the word kinos. It means empty. It means destitute of fruit, destitute of wealth. What he's saying is don't waste the grace of God. Don't waste your Christian walk with the Lord. Jesus Christ did not go all the way to Calvary and lay down his life for you to turn out and be a spiritual dud. Amen. Don't waste the grace that God has shown you. He saved, listen, he not only saved you to get you out of hell, but he saved you to get hell out of you. He wants you to be like him. He wants you to become something great. When does he want to do it, preacher? He's doing it right now. So don't waste this grace that God's given you. Take your Christian life seriously because the Lord Jesus Christ gave his life. And because he did, we ought to be faithful. And because he did, we ought to be thankful. And because he did, we ought to be obedient to his voice. Thinking not only did he deliver us in salvation, but I think about how he delivered us from scar. Now think about it. How many times have you called upon the name of the Lord after you've been saved and God delivered you from sickness, delivered you from sorrow, delivered you from suffering, delivered you from storms? He's delivered and delivered and delivered. But when we take the grace of God and use it in vain, problems surmount. And then we're in trouble. How many scars are in my life because I did not use the grace of God that he gave me? Scary, isn't it? I thought about this. Jesus doesn't just want to be the resident of your life. He wants to be president of your life. Jesus doesn't want a place of prominence. He wants the place of preeminence in your life. And he gave his son Jesus Christ that he might save you. Number two. I want us to think about the record of God's power. Verse 2, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The record of God's power. Now think with me for a second if you will. If you want to buy a house, you have to qualify. If you want to buy a car, you have to qualify. If you want to get a credit card, you have to Qualify. If you want to apply for a job, you have to qualify. Society has determined that everything in life is about being qualified. I thought about the Lord. What qualifications does God have? Here's the, here's the truth today. Nobody's qualified. 
Not one of us is qualified for the grace of God and the salvation of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Since we're not qualified, God has one alternative. And that is he uses the unqualified to achieve and accomplish the impossible. I'm on the lawnmower and God says I'm calling you and I'm calling that church. I've got something that I want to accomplish. And while we sit here sleepy, we think, Lord, you can't use me. I mean, I'm podunk nobody. I, I get, sometimes I get discouraged with my failures. I get discouraged with my disobedience. I, I get discouraged with the times that I should have trusted him and I didn't trust him. And I began to look through the scripture. As God said, I want you to look at the scripture and see some men that I used. First one I flipped my Bible open to was found in Genesis. His name was Noah. He had never built a boat before. He didn't know anything about it. He had never seen rain. He didn't know about a flood. He just started building and doing what God called him to do. And guess what? Noah ended up getting drunk and acting in a lewd way. He was a failure. What about Abraham? Abraham, that great patriarch, that great man of God, he lied about his relationship with his wife. He went out and committed adultery on her and, and had a, a child beyond, beyond wedlock even. Think about it, y'all. Jacob, he extorted the birthright from his brother Esau. Jacob deceived his very own father. Moses, he was a murderer. And Moses acted out in pride and rather than speak to the rock, he smote the rock. Aaron, the high priest, he led Israel to worship a golden calf. Joshua, God said, make no peace treaty with any people of the land. And yet to the Gibeonites, he gave a great peace treaty rather than destroying them. Gideon, here's a man who had no confidence in himself and even less confidence in the plan of Almighty God. Samson, the world's strongest man, was also the world's weakest man. Samuel, he started serving God as a child. What could he possibly have known? King David was an adulterer. He was a man with bloody hands, so bloody that God wouldn't let him build the temple. God used prophets, men of God like Isaiah, who put his trust in a human king at oftentimes. In the year that I saw uh, King Uzziah, when King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. God used Ezekiel, who was brash and tough. God used Hosea, whose wife turned out to be a prostitute. God used Jonah, who defied God and went off into complete, direct disobedience. God used Elijah to go kill 850 prophets of Baal. And as soon as Jezebel got after him, he tucked his tail and he ran the other way. He failed God. I think about Paul. What did Paul do? Paul killed Christians. Jesus, when he called his disciples, Jesus called 12 unqualified men. God said, I've got something that I want you to do. I have something I want you to accomplish. And I said, Lord, I'm not qualified. Lord, I'm not worthy. Lord, and God said, let me tell you something. I don't call the qualified. I qualify the called. And I'm calling you today. God is calling you to a place of faithfulness. And when is he calling you? He's calling you right now. God is dealing with you right now. 
I think about um, Matthew chapter 14. Oftentimes I feel overwhelmed. I'm going to tell you why. Here we've got a Christian school and a wonderful church and, and I cannot meet the expectations of people and I cannot meet the needs of all those around me. I feel like such a failure all the time. I look at Matthew chapter 14. Here is Jesus in this chapter. He is sailing on the Sea of Galilee and on the Sea of Galilee as he sails across the people have heard famous went out about him. He's been healing people, preaching the gospel, and people are following him. And they follow him. They watch him on the Sea of Galilee. And they're on the shore trying to get to where he is. And when he finally comes ashore, all the people are there. And he preaches to them. And he heals many, many, many people. And it was a great time. But look at verse 15. And when it was evening... His disciples came to him saying, This is a desert place. The time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into villages and buy themselves vittles. The, the, the disciples said, Lord, these people that have been following you, they're hungry. And we don't have the ability out of our treasury to take care of all the needs. And I see here that that oftentimes in life we assess the problem. I'm, I am so analytical in my mind. I look financially, I, I look at, at qualities and qualifications and I look at those things and, and I assess the problem and, and I think about how that the Lord said in verse 16, Jesus said unto them, they need not depart, give ye them to eat. Now they got a problem. How are they going to supply everybody's needs? How are they going to meet it financially? How are they going to meet it spiritually and physically? I want to say this, that every miracle of God starts with a problem. And if you're here today and you have a problem, you're in a good place. The Lord says, I want you to assess the problem in your life. I want you to take care. I want you to minister. I want you to serve. Lord, I'm not qualified to serve. God says, your excuse is gone. There's nobody qualified to serve me. So, so I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to call you and I'm going to qualify you based on my calling. Then he says, now I want you to get involved. But Lord, we don't have the assets. Lord, we don't have the ability. God, what are we going to do? I want you just to assess the problem with me here for a second. Think about it. Verse 15, they've got all these people to take care of. Look what the Bible says again. When it was evening, what does that mean? That the sun has gone down. Time is against them. They don't have many hours left in the day to do anything about the needs. May I say today that they have a problem of insufficient time. You and I always think, I don't have time to do that. I'm talking to some lady here today. You say, I don't have time to do that. That doesn't fit in my schedule. What am I going to do? I'm talking to a man, you, you, try to, you try to organize and try to lead, but you don't have sufficient time. Not only do you have a problem with insufficient time, but there's a problem with an inconvenient place. Look what they said in verse 15. This is a desert place. This is a mountainous place. This is a difficult location. This is a uh, isolated place. This is a remote location. They have inadequate resources. They, 
said, look at all this crowd. Do you know how many is there? 5,000 men, not to mention the women, the women and the children. Could it be 15 to 20,000 people that Jesus has charged them to take care of and they begin to look and they say, we have inadequate resources. In other words, in all these problems, they lack faith. I'm talking to somebody today. Will you look at me for a second? You have a problem. And you're assessing the problem. And God wants to do something about your issue right now. And God says, I didn't give you my grace for it to be spent in vain and vanity. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Well, preacher, and I think that just, I believe that just speaks to someone that needs to be saved. It is important that you need to be saved today, yes. But also, I'm telling you, God has something He wants to accomplish in your life. Now is the accepted time. Now He wants to deal with the problem. Now He wants to deal with the issue. Read with me a little further. They begin to appraise the possibilities. The Lord Jesus Christ said to them, He said, uh, they need not depart, give ye them to eat. What was the disciples going to do about it? They had a calloused approach. They said, here's all these people. They're hungry. We're going to send them away. I mean, I'm thinking in a week or so, you're going to try to take care of all these young people and their needs and their school supplies. And I'm certain right now, some of you are thinking, there is no way that's ever going to work. This is not going to happen. How in the world could we, a small, how can we handle a small congregation how are we going to handle all the needs of our community that could possibly show up that day? It's a calloused approach. And this is what they, say, what they said. Send them away. And if you send them away, when the, hungry, when the hungry people go away, the problem goes away. Now, I'm just going to say to you today, the problem is not the hungry people. The problem is the lack of faith on the part of the disciples. I read over in John's gospel and how that uh, one of them named Philip had a calculating approach. He said, Lord, 200 penny worth of bread is not enough. It's not sufficient that everyone could take a little. I, I don't know if he went to Judas and talked about how much was in the bag or if he thought we could take up a love offering and try to send it off somewhere. This is about what I think we might get. And, and he's calculating. He's got his calculator out. That's what you do. You budget, you get your calculator out, this, this, is, this is what we can afford, this is what we can do. And I'm telling you, what Philip did was he left God out of the equation. He's not living in faith, he's living in fear. See what the Lord's going to do? In the book of Mark, he says to him, he encourages him, he says, how many loaves have ye? They were like, what? We don't have anything. But Andrew went out amongst the people and he began to ask, have you, do you have anything to eat? If I took a straw poll today, I guarantee you I'd find somebody today who's brought a snack for a child. And so they found a lad who had five barley loaves. You may say, barley loaves? No. Those are like little saltine, little Ritz crackers. And two small fishes like sardines. And when Andrew brought them, he said, what are they amongst so many? Bring it right now. Give it to God right now. Let Jesus have it right now. And so the young man comes up and he gives it to the Lord Jesus. And what does Jesus do? The Bible says in verse number 19, he commanded the multitude, 
to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up to heaven, he blessed. Let me say today, you need to take time to bless. Ask the blessing over your meal. Ask the blessing over what God's calling you to do. See God's face about it. Turn this thing over to him. I'm talking to somebody today. You can't make ends meet. How am I going to make the rent? I've lost my job. I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't pay the gas bill. Have you seen the price of gas? Honey, get your eyes off of the problem. Get your eyes on the Lord. Your eyes is always on the problem, appraising the people, appraising the situation, looking at the problem. Get your eyes off the problem and get your eyes on Jesus. I'm telling you, you can get your calculator out and your calculator will always come up short to what Jesus can do. Always. Thank God for that. You see, here's, here's your problem today. I'm talking to somebody. You're frustrated because of what you do not have. And you've lost appreciation for what you do have. God has blessed you. And He has given to you so very very much today. The disciples, they look at impossibilities. But Jesus, all he sees is possibility. Jesus is teaching us, don't focus on what you don't have. Focus on me. Focus on what you do have. Thank God for it. So he blesses, he breaks the fish, he gives the loaves to his disciples, the disciples take it to the multitude. Verse 20 says they did all eat. You know this story better than I do. They were filled. They took up of the fragments that remained 12 baskets. The word basket is the word kopinos, which is a word which is big as a coffin. 12 baskets full. How does five little wafers and two small sardines fill up a kopina? 12 of them. And still feel and feed all the people. Honey, I'm telling you, there are needs in Spruce Pine. There are needs in Mitchell, Yancey, and Avery County. And God wants to use us. God wants to use you to get involved and be a blessing. You may say, well, preacher, Darren, I can't hardly make ends meet on my own right now. Honey, he wants to feel you. When does he want to do this, preacher? He wants to do it right now. God said, right now. Now, I want to go back to the book of 2 Corinthians. I'm almost done, third point. I see thirdly the reality of God's promise. He says, in the day of salvation have I succored thee. What does that word mean? It means to run to your aid. It means to drop everything else and run to your aid to make sure that you are well fortified and well taken care of. Hey, I, got, I had a time of thanksgiving. The Lord said, you look in your life at the storms that you thought were so tragic and so catastrophic in your life. Look at them. And did I not run straight to you and take care of every need and strengthen you and bless you and then some? Every time. I'm down praying. God said, do you remember, son, when you was in that old, that old building back here, in the old church? Some of you may say, boy, I wish we were still in it. I remember when we was in the old church and 
We was running 144 and 185 and, and God began to feel that thing and, and then God said, I want you to, I want you to launch out. I want you to, uh, I want you to drive the, the stakes deeper and I want you to stretch out the tent cords and, and we were dealing with maybe adding on to the building. We didn't have it. We still don't have it. And men, I thought about what happened in Kentucky. 13 inches of rain here on this ground. And we lost everything. The entire parking area back here was completely washed away. Some of y'all remember that. We had to get the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers in here and spend $100,000, $150,000 that we didn't have just trying to put pipes and things back in. And then God, I said, God, we're broke. I just got on my knees and said, God, we don't have anything. What are we going to do? God said, now you're ready to start. I said, but Lord, all the money we saved for the new building is gone. It's washed away. God said, I knew what was below the surface. I just let it go. Trust me for this. We stepped out, borrowed almost $2 million. You may think, preacher, you've lost your mind. God said, right in the middle of that debt, when we had 150, God said, I want you to do it right now. And I'm going to save people. And I'm going to grow people. And I'm telling you, youngins, He's done it. I've seen God do absolutely crazy things in our lives. He has blessed us and succored us and strengthened us and aided us time and time and time again. And while you sit here about halfway asleep today, God's still saying, I have more than I want you to accomplish. And you sit here and say, well, I don't know. I'm pretty tired. I'm 80 years old. I'm, I'm 70 years old. I'm not as young as I once was. I'm, I'm soon to be 56 years old. I'm not as young as I once was, Lord. What do you want us to do? God said, I have something that I want to accomplish on that campus, in that church, and I'm going to use you that are unqualified, you that are unable, you that are unworthy. I'm going to use you to accomplish the impossible. And I'm going to do it. That's what God said. Look with me. Verse 2. I've heard thee in a time accepted. What does that mean? I'm going to ask today, is there anybody here? I want you to put your hand up. You have something that you need God to do in your life. And it seems like it's so impossible. Is there anybody? You know what God just said? He said, I have heard thee. I heard your prayer. I know your need. I know what you face. I know what you desire. I know what you long for. And I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I've succored thee. In other words, in all these other times, I've strengthened you. Honey, I'm going to do it again. Behold, that means take notice. Now. Now is the accepted time. When? Six months from now, God said, now. Today, right now. I have heard you and I have something I'm calling you to do. I'm getting you ready. Revival is coming. Blessings are coming. The wagons are coming. Souls are going to be saved. Prayer requests are going to be answered. You may sit here asleep, honey, but I'm telling you, God has heard. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Let's talk about the reality of God's promise. Think about it. Right now, right now in heaven, what are they doing? 
they're worshiping and they're praising God. And they're not sitting there going through COVID and going through socioeconomic change and worried about political this and gas prices on that head. They're not worried about any of those things. In heaven, maybe you've got a baby that passed away. It's in heaven now. Maybe you've got a girl. Maybe you've got a boy. Maybe you've got a grandson or a granddaughter. Maybe you've got a wife. Maybe you've got a husband. Maybe you've got a grandparent. Maybe you've got a preacher that you love dearly. Maybe you've got someone that was such a prayer warrior in your life. And honey, God graduated them and called them on to heaven. What are they doing right now? They're having church with the Lord. They're worshiping. They're shouting. They're praising God even now. They're not worried about a thing. And honey, God does not want you worrying about the house payment. Do your part. He'll do the rest. God does not want you to worry about the gas prices. God doesn't need a discount. Honey, God owns a cattle on a thousand hills and there's nothing too hard for him today. Now is the accepted time. In heaven right now, they're saved and satisfied and they're rejoicing. And what are they doing in hell right now? Oh, there is a hell. Amen, preacher. There's a heaven, there's a hell. And there is no in-between. You're either going to go to one or the other. Amen. The man in hell, uh, Luke chapter 16, the rich man that died without Christ, he went to hell and the Bible says he was in torments in that flame. What are they doing right now in hell? Oh, preacher, they're having a party. No, honey, they're not having a party. They're in torment. They're begging for somebody to take the tip of their finger and just dip a little water that they can get it cooled in the flames that they're in right now. Right now in hell, they're crying out. They're screaming. They're in awful, awful shape in hell. Right now in heaven. Right now in hell. And while we sit here today, I'm telling you, under the sound of my voice, there's somebody you need to be saved. I mean, you know you don't have the goods. You know you've never asked Jesus Christ to save you. You know today is the day of salvation. Honey, the best thing you'll ever do is come to Him. I'm telling you, you've told the Holy Spirit, no, no, no. So many times you've said, well, I think I was. When I was little, I think I was, but I just don't know. Honey, how in the world can you live your life and not know? How can you go to sleep at night in the day and age in which we live, knowing that Jesus Christ is coming again, that now is the day of salvation? How can you live with yourself? And the Holy Ghost beckons you and woos you and draws you and begs you to come to Jesus Christ and be saved. He's doing it right now while I'm preaching. He's dealing with you about getting saved right now. There's somebody there on the sound of my voice. You've backslid on God. Your faithfulness has waned. Your obedience to the Lord is not what it once was. I'm telling you, you went away from your Bible reading. You went away from your Bible study. You're in trouble. I'm telling you, there are issues in your life. God is trying to stir you that are backslid to get in a right relationship with him that he may use you and call you. God has some things he wants to accomplish. May I say, yesterday is history. Nothing you can do about yesterday. And may I say to you today, there's no promise of tomorrow. God's day is today. 
God's dealing with souls about today, right now. And with the possibility of death, you don't know when you're going to die. I, I could pass away today. And, and if I do, you tell, you tell everybody, he was saved and satisfied through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm on my way. Praise God, I'm on my way. I'll be walking before the Lord in the land of the living. And I will be hopefully waiting to see you on the other shore, amen. There's people today, I'm telling you, God's dealt with you about this and you're to the point that you're about to send away your day of grace. He's called you, spoke to you. You're building up, you're building a wall of rejection, a wall of no. Honey, when are you going to get right with God? When are you going to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? I want to say right now, you need to be saved. I'm talking about Right now, there's one that can handle my every need. There is one right now that can handle my every situation. You stand to your feet. I'm done. You stand to your feet. I had some more, some illustrations. I'm, I'm done. Preacher, what does God want me to do right now? He wants you to come to the altar right now. He wants you to speak to him about this need. Right now, he wants you to get your eyes off the problem. Right now, he wants to get your eyes on him right now right now. Preacher, God wants to use me. Honey, he's calling you right now. Right now. His hand's on your life calling you. Right now. God says do it right now. Our Father and our God, as we bow our head before you, the King of glory, Lord, we ask you, God, forgive us of our old flesh, of our sin, of our lack of faith. God, we get our eyes on the wrong thing. We always look at the problem. We always look at the impossibilities. And God, will you forgive us of that? Lord, would you help us to get our eyes on the Lord? God, I believe that right now, you are calling. Right now, you are speaking. Right now, you are dealing with hearts. Right now, Father, there's a mother that's worried to death about her children. God, I pray you take care of that need now, Lord. I pray for these that's struggling financially, God, that you'd help them, Lord. You'd pour out a blessing, though they don't have room to receive it. God, I pray, Father, today that, Lord, you'd fill this place with your power. You'd fill this place, God, with your people. You'd fill this place, God, with your praise. And, Lord, you'd help us, God, that in our lives we might stand in the power and in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, I believe you promised. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. God, help us to be in the now. Lord, I love you. And, God, I ask your blessing today, Father, upon families. Lord, there, there's a mother. God, she's saying, Lord, I really need you right now. Lord, I can't wait. I can't, I can't delay. Lord, I need you right now. Lord, you said you would. God, would you meet that need? God, would you help? Would you encourage? Father, I love you today. Thank you, God, for speaking to our hearts from the word of God. Would you bless us going forward, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, 
Amen.